as Christians. We recognize that once you come to know Christ, all your sins are washed away, right? That's, that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what it's all about, that we don't have to try to earn our way or work our way into heaven. Uh, they're gone as far as the east is from the west. They'll never be remembered again. They're all done. But there is in Scripture a judgment for Christians. We don't hear a whole lot about this. I didn't hear a whole lot about this uh, growing up, but uh, let me read you a couple of passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 6, he says, Therefore, we're always confident, and we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Now, this is Paul, right? He's talking to Christians. He says, this is the reason why, he's going to tell us, why I live for for, uh, Christ. Because... We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This judgment seat of Christ, the Greek word is bima, it's the bima seat. It's not the beamer seat, okay, we don't all get a BMW when we get to heaven, it's as cool as we think that would be. It's the bima seat, it's the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that, and it says, uh, I'm going to start in verse 11, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If a man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Several years ago, I, I saw a presentation by Pete Briscoe. It's Jill and Stewart's boy at Bentry Bible Church in, in Texas, uh, where he took the book, The Bema, by Tim Stevenson, and he uh, adapted a, a dramatic presentation. For the next two weeks, we're going to be doing that here. Now, we don't normally, if you're visiting with us, we don't normally do drama stuff in church. But having a picture of what the, the Bema seat might look like one day, I think would do, do us very, very well. And here's the question we want to ask for the next couple of weeks. One question. We want to ask, am I living for that day or am I living for today? This is the Bema. Boy, have I had a day. <laughs> I mean, this is not just a day. This was the day. I mean, really, the day. Now, let me give you a little background just so you know what I'm talking about. You know, I got up that morning, just like any normal morning, before the rest of my, my family was up. And I, I left for work. I've been missing a lot of breakfasts with the family here lately. Actually, missing a lot of dinners as well and missing some of the kids' games. I, I missed that birthday a while back. That didn't go real well. But, but here's why I've been missing these things. Because at work, there is a proposal due that is worth a multi-million dollar contract. I'm telling you, you, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to our business and to me. And my boss said that if I can secure this deal, there might be a partnership in it for me. 
And I, I'm telling you, I, I want to provide for my family and also I've been, been given everything to this proposal. Well, anyway, I got, got my car and I took off early morning. Not a lot of people on the road that time of the morning. But I pull into my spot at work and as I'm walking through the atrium of our building, I hear this voice behind me. Well, good morning, Mr. Matheson. That, that's me, Daniel James Matheson. And that was Joe, uh, Joe, I don't even know Joe's last name. Joe the security guard, that's what I call him. Good morning, Mr. Matheson. Has the Lord been good to you today, sir? I'm saying, Joe, it's five in the morning for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, he's been good and all, but he'll be better, I'm sure, when I get some coffee into my system. So I'm, I'm kind of quicken my pace to get to the elevator and get away from this guy. But he's following right behind me like he does every morning, quoting some scripture verse. Get into the elevator and the doors are starting to close and Joe's right there. Remember, Mr. Matheson, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is his common demand. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, see you later, Joe. I just did not have time this morning for idle chit chat. My, my proposal was due at two o'clock and I had a ways to go. So I dug right in. I was working on this thing. My team was coming in and out of my office all morning. Some of them dropped the ball completely. So I, I lost my cool a few times, but by noon, it was done. Now, I've done several of these, but this, <laughs> this is my finest work. I'll tell you what, I was pretty confident that at 2 o'clock when I presented this thing that we were going to seal the deal. Had a couple hours, so I thought I'm going to kick back a little bit and kind of get in the zone. So I got in my car, I was going to head to the deli and get a sandwich. Uh, but on the boulevard, while I'm driving, that's when it happened. <laughs> Jesus came back. I mean, just like that. <laughs> now, I grew up in the church. So I knew from a little kid on that one day Jesus is going to come back. Yeah, they told me that in youth group. One day Jesus is going to come back. I heard that forever. And I knew, oh yeah, he's going to come back. But one day he seemed way, I mean, he's not really supposed to come back, or at least in my lifetime. And so I thought, well, I, this was amazing. We were found myself walking through this tunnel with millions of other people. And we were walking up to what we just kind of all knew were the, the gates of heaven. And right outside the gates, this side of the gate, there's these big books. And if your name's not in the big book, you don't get in. So I was just a little bit apprehensive, you know, as we're getting a little bit close to the book. <laughs> oh, no. But they found my name. Daniel James Matthewson. <laughs> I was in, baby. I walked right through there with all these other people. And I know, I know we've experienced exciting stuff on earth. You know, you graduated from something, you had a baby, you got married, whatever. But it's nothing compared to this. I'm, it's, it's like a celestial ticker tape parade in, in New York. You know, I mean, we were just all, all high-fiving each other and cheering and celebration and all kinds of people were there. I saw my, my grandfather. My grandfather had died just a few years earlier, but he was there waiting for me. It's like I embraced him. I saw some other people that I had known who, who'd gone way before me and I embraced them. Matter of fact, I knew everybody there just as well. So we were all kind of embracing each other and, and high-fiving. It was an incredible... I would like to say it was surreal, but no. This was the most real thing I'd ever been a part of. And I'm walking through. I saw this, this clump of trees and a big rock-looking thing over to the side. And I thought, I'm just going to kind of pull off the path for a minute to, to soak this in. So I sat down and just kind of taking this in. And I, I get this sense of a presence. Have you ever, ever had that? Kind of sense that somebody else is there. So I'm looking around. I didn't see anybody. I asked, hello? And suddenly, three, four feet in front of me, this eight-foot-tall, glowing, hollow 
object, creature thing appears. And it's like, whoa, 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 uh, uh, who and what are you? And he said, he calls me Muriel. I'm an angel. And I said, uh, why not? Uh, you know, uh, I'm Muriel. I, I can't say I've ever met an angel before. How you doing? And he said, well, I've known you for quite some time, Daniel. I was assigned you at your birth. I said, wait, 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 wait. Muriel, are you saying you're my guardian angel? He said, well, we don't use words like that up here, but if that's what you want to call me, that'll work. I said, oh, Muriel, this is incredible. Listen, is there an orientation or something for heaven? I mean, how do you figure this out? This is just amazing to me. How does heaven work? And he sat down and gave me a couple of uh, pointers about heaven. He said, first of all, Daniel, you need to understand that up in, in heaven, time is different than it was back on earth. In earth, something could take you five years. In heaven, the exact same thing is like that. Time is elastic in heaven. I thought, wow, I wasn't exactly sure what that was about, but I was going to find out. He said, also, your eyesight is different in heaven than on earth. On earth, it's, it, it is what it is. But here, something so many miles away, you can focus on it, and it's right there. So, so I tried this. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it works. It works. He said, one more thing, Daniel. You need to know that communication is different here in heaven. On earth, you have to say the words. In heaven, you just have to think the words. And I said, <laughs> no way. Get out of town. Really? Are you serious? Uh, let's try it. So I Tell me what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, hang on. That was the easy one. Let me show you. All right. <laughs> it works. This is an incredible thing. And as we were talking, he said, he said, Daniel, your communication is different here. And I said, yeah, my communication is really different here. And he said, time is different here. And I said, oh, man, tell me about it. And he said, your eyesight, your vision is different here. And I said, it's incredibly different here. And he said, all of these will come in handy at the judgment seat of Christ. And I said, yeah, the judgment seat of Christ. Whoa, 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 Muriel. <clears throat> judgment seat of Christ. Wait, wait, wait. Who's going to be judged? He looked at me and he said, you are? I said, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, Mir- 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 wait a minute. I mean, angels aren't omniscient, right? So I, I tried to tell him, no, 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 Muriel. See, I went through the tunnel thing and there was, and the books were there. And my, my name was in the book. I'm, all, I'm in, Muriel. It's all done. He said, oh, no, Daniel. He said, said Dan, you know, that was for salvation. You're right. You are secure in heaven. But Daniel, don't you know about the Bema Seat of Christ? I mean, Daniel, this was supposed to drive your entire life from the time the master called you till he called you home. The Bema Seat was supposed to impact all of your decisions. You know about the Bema Seat of Christ, don't you, Daniel? <laughs> I must have missed that one, Muriel. What about this Bema Seat of Christ? And you can see I was freaking out a little bit. And he said, well, it's not for your salvation. Your position is secure in heaven. But Daniel, it's like, uh, it's like the Olympics. Remember back on earth, the Olympics? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the Olympics. And he said, at the end of the competition, you know, they had the three different size boxes. I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the award ceremony. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put these people on the boxes and then put things over their neck. I said, yeah, they're getting their rewards, their awards. And he said, yes, that's what the Bema Seat is like. Daniel, your life has been like a race. From the time the master called you till the time he called you home, he gave you all kinds of opportunities and resources, and you ran the race. And Daniel at the Bema Seat, we're going to see how you did. 
We're going to see how you, how you use those things for eternal significance. And then you're going to get your reward. And Daniel, won't that be great? I wasn't so sure that was going to be great. I'm thinking hard about one, just one thing that I did of eternal significance, and I couldn't come up with it. I thought, oh, baby, am I in trouble? How is this going to work? Well, as, as, as we're talking, we were this fanfare off in the distance. I mean, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. It's like, wow. Muriel turned, and, and I said, Muriel, what's, what's that? He, he turned back and he said, the master is summoning us. Daniel, it's time for the Bema seat. And before I knew what was going on, Muriel swung behind me, grabbed me, and we took off, flying through the air. I mean, whoa, yeah, I, was, I was flying. There are people, uh, saints above me and, and below me and sides of me and all these people walking. And I could see what they were walking towards. There was this little quarter-looking thing way in the distance, but as I, my new eyesight, I zoomed in on that thing, I could see what it was. It was like a, 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 a stadium, you know, like a... Like a, like a football stadium, but like the size of New York City and its suburbs. I mean, this thing was just massive. It was massive. And Muriel flew me there and kind of dropped me off at the entrance and said, Daniel, I can't come any farther now. You're on your own. And I said, whoa, Muriel, hang on, wait a minute. You're my guardian angel. I mean, what if I like trip on some stairs or something? You know? I said, no, 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 Daniel, Daniel. This is a very special time between you and your Lord. Go, enjoy the Bema Seat. He said, I'll be above. And if you have a question, just think it to me, and I'll be sure to answer. Well, I walked into this stadium. I mean, it's just this massive people coming in from all, every direction. Now, down, I guess about three miles down, there was this huge stage. And on the stage was this throne. I guess that's the opposite throne. And I sat down, just kind of taking this in. I noticed a man sat down next to me. I said, Hello, I'm Daniel James Matthewson. And he said, I'm Angura Nagasaka. And then he asked me kind of a goofy question. He said, where and when are you from? When are you from? What's he talking? Then I realized what was going on. This was, this was the church. This wasn't just like a church. This was the church. Everybody who had committed their life to Christ from all ages past, they were here. And I said, I'm, I'm from the United States. I was on the earth when Jesus came back. And he said, oh, that must have been an incredible privilege. And I said, well, I mean, it was all right. No, I, I mean, it was, it was a cool thing. And it was, where and when are you from, Angura? And he said, I'm from Japan, the 17th century. I said, Angura, I'm, I didn't know there were any Christians in Japan in the 17th century. He said, oh, yes. When the big wooden ships came bringing merchants, they also brought missionaries. And Daniel, a couple found their way to my village. And when they explained to me about how God loved us, loved me, so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die for my sins, that which separated me from him, and how Jesus rose, Daniel, I knew it was true. And I embraced Jesus. Many, many in my village embraced Jesus. But many did not. My master was one of the ones who did not, a very cruel man, and some of us were killed. I said, Angira, wait a minute. You tell me that you were martyred? He said, yes, actually, I was crucified. Along the road, there were many crosses. Many of us were crucified. Daniel, right next to me, the man being crucified alongside me, 
A few days earlier was a very inhumane samurai warrior. Oh, he was doing awful things, Daniel. But when he heard of Jesus, his life was radically transformed. He began telling everyone about Jesus. And as we hung on our crosses, he reminded me that it was a great privilege and honor to suffer for our master, Jesus. Well, as he was telling me this, I just kind of hung my head. and He said, Daniel, what, what is it? I said, oh, and gear, I mean, I've, I've never suffered for Jesus like that. I, frankly, I don't think I've ever suffered for Jesus at all. I said, Daniel, that's okay. It's the master who determines who will suffer for him and who will not. And if you are to suffer for him, you praise him. And if not, you praise him for that. And it, it, I know it sounds goofy, but it wasn't shame. It was more like I felt like I missed out on something. Well, as Angura and I were, were talking, some action on the stage. And come walking out, there was this, I think it was an angel. It was like ten times the size of Muriel. And this big bronzish looking, but he had these huge eyes, fireish eyes, and this gorgeous robe. And I know it sounds a little bit scary, but it was the most attractive thing I've ever seen. And he came out, and he came to this stage. He had this, this scepter pole thing, staff that he held, size of a telephone pole. And he banged it on the stage five times. And there was silence in the arena. And he said, Church, I want to introduce to you the Lamb crucified before the foundation of the world. This is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I Am, the wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the resurrection and the life, the bread of life, the light of the world. He's your Savior and Messiah, Jesus. And then Jesus... Jesus walked out. And he didn't look like his pictures, but we just knew this was really, this was really Jesus. And he came and he sat down on his throne. And everybody in the arena, man, we were down. We were down. And it, you couldn't even look up. But you could hear a, a whisper, I think of the, the angels above. It was, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We were all uh, joining in. And at some point, I don't know exactly when, but we transitioned from the chanting to, to singing. I think it was singing. And, but it wasn't just with the voice. It was like with every cell of your body. And, and somehow we all knew the words and we all sang in the same language, I, I think. And... It was, it was amazing. And I thought for just a brief moment, was this what this worship singing thing on earth was supposed to be like? Oh, man, did I waste so much time. I'm watching my watch and I can't wait to get out of there. I'm waiting for the next thing. And if I could just go back and get a piece of this, oh, truly worship. Anyway, we worship for I don't know how long. Remember the elastic time thing? Maybe months. I, I, I don't know. We just. But when we were done... We all knew it was time to be done. So we kind of went back to our seats and we were more 
exhausted on every level. And yet, at the exact same time, we were more energized and more alive and more full. And Jesus got up off his throne and he came to the end of the stage. He said, oh, my precious church, I've looked so forward to this day, the day of my Bema. Now, I thought this was a little bit ironic. He has looked forward to this day for a long time. I didn't even know the day existed. And he said, you need to understand something of our judgment. First of all, you will not be on trial for your sin. I don't remember. My blood is sufficient. Your sins are gone. Your place in heaven is secure. But you know, as I left you on earth, that temptation and sin continued. I gave you different resources. And we're going to see how you did with them today. He said, you'll be judged on three different things. First of all, you'll be judged on your priorities. My word said that when you were on earth, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Many of you have done that. Today, you'll be rewarded. You will be, you will be judged and evaluated on your stewardship. No two people in the arena today no two have the same, same mixture and amount of gifts and opportunities and resource and health and time that I have given. Some of you were from very rich times, and I poured many blessings on you. Some of you, very poor. You will not be evaluated according to the person next to you, but on what I gave to you, stewardship. Thirdly, you'll be evaluated based on your motives. My word again says that man looks at the outward appearance, but I looked at the heart, and it's not enough to have done good things, but we want to know why you did them today. We'll reveal that. Oh, oh, church, it's going to be beautiful. Your rewards. You may receive today the crown of righteousness. If you lived your life on earth for this day, and, and you were holy, and you sought to, to make all of your decisions based on this very day, then you will today receive the crown of righteousness. Some of you were martyred for my name's sake. Today you will receive the crown of life. Some of you gave yourself to my, my, my bride, my church. I know my church on earth was not always easy to love. But you loved all the same. You forgave, you supported, you prayed for, you taught, you were a part of. Today you will receive the crown of glory. Some of you... I asked to suffer for my name, various degrees, but you suffered all the same. Today you will receive the crown of faith. Some of you will receive a verbal commendation. Some of you will not. But all of you will be glorified. Are you ready? Let's begin the judgments. Then Jesus turned around and went back and sat on his, his, his throne. And you could have heard a pin drop in that place. There was such a, a tension. Uh, I was just a little bit anxious, as you might, might imagine. But as, as we were there wondering how this is going to work, that big angel, with the, he came forward and called the first person. Timulus Germanicus. Timulus Germanicus. Timulus's angel swooped down and, and grabbed him and, and flew him to the foot of the stairs. 
And when he got to the stairs, he started to walk up and all of us realized that he was going to see Jesus face to face. We couldn't wait. Well, as Timulus was there with Jesus, they began talking and we couldn't hear exactly what they were saying. But a strange thing happened. It was as if a biographical sketch of this man came through my mind. And I knew exactly who he was and what he was being rewarded for. Timulus was from Lyon, France, 3rd century under the Roman Empire's worst persecution of the church. He was a smith by trade, didn't have a lot of money, but that which he had, he gave away to those less fortunate than himself. He, he was arrested for his faith. He was put on the rack and brought back. He was scraped, which means they, they took all the skin off his body. He was then thrown to the wild animals. And as the leopards were devouring him, he raised his arms and he said, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. And Jesus stood up from his throne at this point and put his hands on Timothy's shoulders. When he did, Timothy just crumpled. And Jesus picked him up and held him up and looked at us and said, I want to introduce you to my son, Timulus. He gave him some crowns, and then he said, Oh, Timulus, I am so well pleased with you. Good job, Timulus. Be glorified. And he was. Timulus shone like the sun. Well, as Timulus made his way back to his seat, in that sea of darkness, he shone incredibly. And the rest of us were looking forward to the time when we would be glorified. The angel came to the end of the stage and called for the next person. Pomponia. Pomponia. A.D. 50, Rome. Pomponia was one of the very first, if not the first, of the senatorial class to trust in Jesus. Now, at A.D. 50, she, she came to know Christ before the Apostle Paul got there. And she was mocked and ridiculed by her servants, by her friends, by her husband. They all thought she was crazy. But her devotion to her Lord transformed her life. And her husband saw this. They, they planted a, a church in their home. A church that lasted for three centuries. A church that was a lighthouse, the beacon of truth for Rome for three centuries. And Jesus came up behind Paponia and put his hands on her shoulders and said, Oh, Paponia, I am so, so pleased with you, my daughter. Pomponia, be glorified. And she was. She was so magnificent. And she made her way back to her, her seat. The angel came to the end of the the stage and he, he thumped calling for the next person William Carey if ever there was an unlikely hero for the Christian church it was William Carey William was an impoverished shoemaker England 17th century he didn't have two coins to rub together but what he had is William had this goofy idea that the church, those who, who follow Jesus, should, should send people out to areas where Christ is not named to share Christ. Now, this is missions, right? We're all familiar with it, but they weren't familiar with it in the 17th century. And William's church mocked him and ridiculed him and would not support him, but William went anyway. First he went to Malta, then he went to India, where he retranslated the word of God into the language of many, many people. William Carey is known as the father of missions, 
Jesus did something really, really interesting here. He came behind William. He, he turned around and then he told to us, he said, if you are here today because of the influence of a missionary or the great mission's work, would you stand? At least half of the arena stood. And they, they were quiet at first and then someone started to clap and they all started to clap and they were cheering and they were screaming, thank you, thank you. And, and, and Jesus was smiling real big. He said, William, behold, your reward. And then Jesus gave him some crowns and Jesus said, William Carey, I am so, so pleased with you. William, be glorified. And he was magnificent. And as William Carey went back to his seat, I was thinking hard. When just one person that maybe I shared Christ with somehow, some subtle way over, I kept thinking, oh my goodness. And then the angel called for the next person. Angela Moser. Now when Angela's name was called, there was a flurry of sound. I think it's the angel's wings above the arena. It was like a lightning bolt kind of zapped through the place. And I thought, whoa, what's going on? I thought to Muriel, what's happening? He said, oh, Daniel, we've all been waiting for the judgment of Angela for quite some time. I said, really? He said, well... Muriel, what, what happened? I mean, she, what, what did she start? This big program? I, I don't recognize. And he said, Daniel, nothing like that. Those superficial categories you use to determine success. And as I, I could see the story of Angela Mosier, she was a school teacher, 20th century Canada. She remained single by her own choice so that she could take care of her aging mom and then her invalid sister. Now, Angela served much in her country church, but behind the scenes kind of thing. You know, not too many people uh, saw Angela. But what really set her apart was her prayer life. Muriel let me know that when her name was mentioned in heaven, 10,000 demons quaked. She prayed for her church and her pastor and her elders. And she prayed for all the people in the, in the church. And she prayed for the people in the town and her neighbors. And she prayed as if God was going to do something about it for the government and the world and the missionaries. And as Jesus got up off his throne and he put his hands on her shoulders, he turned her to us and he said, If you are here today because of the influence of the prayers of this woman, please stand. Now, on earth, we don't know really if we've been influenced by someone's prayers. But at the Bema, you know. And what do you think? Ten people? Thousands. Tens of thousands. As they stood, I was just in awe. And Jesus was kind of laughing. He said, Angela, behold your reward, Angela. He said, thank you so much, daughter, for trusting me. Thank you for praying to me. Oh, the sweet communion we had. Angela, and he gave her some crowns. And then he said, be glorified. And she was. I'm sure it wasn't true, but seemed more magnificent than any of the others. And as she flew back to her seat, I started thinking, oh, that prayer thing that I waste so much time on earth. I, I thought prayer was one of these things that God gave us, you know, to build character or something. I didn't know it really worked. And I thought, if I could just go back and live my life again from the vantage point of the Bema, oh man, I would pray. I would pray like, like he, he heard me. Oh, my prayer life would change. As I'm thinking all of this, the, the angel came to the end of the, the stage and called for the next person. 
Joseph Ray Robinson. Joseph Ray Robinson. Joseph uh, grew up in the South during the Great Depression. Uh, Joseph, the oldest of, of eight children, when he was 13 years of age, his mom and dad passed away. No relatives to take the kids. So Joseph determined that he would be the mom and the dad. He tried to organize the clan as much as he could to keep the, the farm, at least giving them something to eat. But every night, he would go and he would take his siblings, he would put them in bed, he would pray for them because that's what he saw his parents do. And then he would go down to the fireplace, take off the only book they had on the altar, the, the Bible, and he would read, and he would pray, and he would cry. Now, this would be a ritual that Joseph would continue through his whole life. As, as his brothers and sisters grew, he would take menial jobs to try to provide for them. He was constantly sacrificing for their welfare, but he never gave up his time of being with the Lord, of reading his word. Joseph had memorized almost the entire New Testament. I, I, I looked at this guy to double take because I recognized this was Joe the security guard from work. I thought, oh my, Jesus, Jesus came up behind Joe, put his hands on his shoulders and turned him to us and said, if you've been influenced by this man, would you stand please? At least a hundred people from my office complex alone. And I thought, my goodness, Joseph Ray Robinson. Jesus gave him crowns. Jesus said, Joseph, I am so, so pleased with you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Be glorified. And he was. And he was. And as he went back to his seat, I thought, you know, when we were on earth, I didn't have the time of day to give to this guy. And here, the Bema, I wasn't worthy to shine his shoes. I'm, I'm thinking this, and the angel comes forward to call the next person. Daniel James Matthewson. <laughs> Whoa, it's my, 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 well, okay, let's go. Well, I'm sorry we don't have the time this morning to do Daniel James Matthewson's judgment. You've got to come back next week to get that. But between now and then, let me give you a, a homework assignment, okay? Uh, these are several places where you can read about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Just read about the, the one-day rewards part. But what's that going to be? This is really all over the New Testament, but if you're not looking for it, we just kind of skim by it. And again, what our goal is, by the end of next week, and be praying about that this week. I know this has been great, great for me. Lord, am I living for that day or am I living for today? Because what are you going to do? What's going to happen when your name is called? Because if you're believing in Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, it will be called one day.